Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, Congress yay, shall make oh, no law yay, respecting an establishment oh, of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise, exercise thereof, or, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, the of speech, or, the or, of the press or the right of the people peaceably to or assemble, abridging the freedom and to petition of speech, the government, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Our voices matter because we're the ones best equipped to tell our own stories. Student journalism matters. This is Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. Hello, and welcome to Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate the JEA Scholastic Press Rights Committee's podcast focus on empowering student journalists and advisors and educating the greater community about their rights. My name is Trip Robbins. I'm a member of SPRC, and I teach at Menlo School in California, where I advise three student media publications. Our goal for each episode of this podcast is to highlight a specific aspect of scholastic press freedom and then bring you an interview related to that topic so you can see how the terms come to life in real schools around the country. Today we're going to be focusing on a term that has been in the news a lot in the last few years, hate speech. Most student journalists know that the First Amendment affirms U.S. citizens' rights to free speech and a free press, but the limits of free expression are not always clear. Let's lay down some groundwork for this. In First Amendment law, there are limits to free expression. Not everything a citizen can say or publish is protected by the First Amendment. The phrase unprotected speech is used to describe things that the First Amendment does not apply to. You might be familiar with these, and we're not going to go into detail about them here, but they include defamation, copyright infringement, obscenity, true threats, fighting words, and incitement to imminent lawless action. But hate speech is not in that list. So hate speech is actually protected by the First Amendment. What does this mean for a student publication? While hate speech isn't something that comes up frequently for most student journalists, understanding the law around it can make students and advisors better prepared for some First Amendment issues that can pop up. To discuss these issues, I'm joined by Mike Keystand of the Student Press Law Center. Hi, Mike. Hey, Tripp. Good to see you. Good to see you too. I'm going to start by using a uh, verbal description of an editorial cartoon that I love that is my starting point for talking about this. It shows three figures and on the left side of the frame you have an executioner in black robes and he's pointing a pistol to his right. You're looking at his back and Beside him, facing you, uh, are two figures who are apparently tied up. And the first one closest to him has a sign on him that says hate speech. And clearly the bullet has just gone through the hate speech guy's head and is now going through the head of the second guy, or third guy, whose sign says free speech. And the sign, the text on the executioner says the left. Hmm. And the idea being that by trying to stifle hate speech, which is repugnant, you run the risk of killing, also hurting free speech. And that's kind of my starting point. You wanna comment at all on that? 
I think that's the U.S. Supreme Court starting point too. So yeah, no, I think you're right on track. Um, I mean, there's always been this this uh, uh, tension, you know, between uh, what we think the First Amendment should do and what it what it actually does. And um, you know, a lot of people think the First Amendment probably should be tightened up a little bit. It ought to be it ought to be uh, you know protecting speech that's that's helpful or something. But that's not what the court has said. Um, and I think that's they've they've done the right thing generally um, because speech changes. I mean, ideas change. Sometimes minority views uh, become the majority views. I mean, we saw that like in, in the South, civil rights and things like that. Um, but the, what the Supreme Court has said is that, you know, that, that part of the price for, uh, for free speech, part of the price of having something like the First Amendment, this, this wonderful thing we call the First Amendment, is that you also have to accept speech uh, that sometimes you don't like. There was a, 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 a Nat Hintoff, one of my uh, favorite free speech proponents out there, uh, several years ago, he did this book whose title, I think, just sums it up perfectly. Um, it was called Free Speech for Me but not for thee. And, um, you know, that really is, I think, what a lot of people uh, have to wrestle with when it comes to, to talking about things like hate speech. I mean, you know, uh, hate speech is, it's, it's, it gets to us. I mean, it gets under your skin. That's the whole purpose. That's the reason people use it. I think many times. Uh, sometimes they just use it out of ignorance. But you know, sometimes it's it's to get a to get a point across. But yeah. So so there is. I think that the the Supreme Court has been called upon a number of times to try and rein that in. Um, states have been asked to rein it in with state laws. Uh, uh, schools, colleges in particular, you know, they've been asked to, to, you know, pass speech codes and things lots, lots of times that include, uh, you know, bans on uh, hate speech or, or, uh, you know, demeaning speech or angry speech, or they use different words, but, um, but time and time again, the Supreme Court, uh, most recently, I think in 2017, they just ruled, they said, you know, there is no hate speech uh, uh, exemption to the First Amendment. We talk a lot in student press about protected speech and unprotected speech. You want to remind us what, well, let's just, uh, you know, there are probably a couple dozen examples of unprotected speech, but what are the ones that would come up most often in student press law? Yeah, I mean, there's 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 the 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 golden oldies, you know, libel and uh, 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 copyright material that that infringes somebody's copyright, material that invades somebody's privacy, uh, obscenity. Um, you know, for for high schoolers, we're looking at something probably less than obscenity in the high school setting. Um, but uh, fighting words, uh, speech that that creates uh, you know kind of imminent lawless action. Um, and that's that's one of the ones that comes up when we're talking about hate speech. It is. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, there are times, I mean, hate speech, um, can cross over into some form of unprotected speech, um, such as fighting words or, so, or this imminent lawlessness action. Uh, but, but hate speech on its own, hate speech that's kind of done in a vacuum, um, at least for now remains protected. It doesn't fall into that unprotected speech category. So let's, let's be real concrete. Let's give examples of hate speech, and I'm kind of making air quotes there, because there's no legal definition, correct, of hate speech? It's not a legal term. It, it's no, I've not, I've not seen a, a, a legal term in a, that a court's used yet. Okay, but we see it all the time, and we hear it. There's not a clear, hard definition, but when we talk about like fighting words um, or provoking to imminent action, what's an example of say fighting words that would be unprotected speech? 
Well, you know, let, let me just I, I, so there's not a legal definition of hate speech, but I think let's let's so we can okay. kind of get started yeah, on yeah. what hate speech itself is. Um, hate speech is is um, you know whether it's abusive or threatening or you know just just foul and repugnant. Um, it's speech that the thing that distinguishes hate speech from other forms of speech is that it tends to target a particular uh, individual or particular group, an individual that's part of a particular group. Um, and, and more often than not, those groups are going to be based on you know, the person's race or religion or sexual orientation. Um, but they can be based on other things too. Those are the ones that I think that, that get most attention. And so uh, so you can't, you, you have this fairly broad category of, you know, abusive, threatening speech that that um, targets a particular group. You can move that into the fighting words category if you are going to engage in that speech, but you're going to be doing it, you know, in somebody's face or in a way that you you are intending. It's it's designed to to get some sort of physical uh, reaction. Um, same thing with this imminent lawlessness action. It's kind of the same thing. Um, it's it's speech that's designed um, to provoke some sort of physical action, and that's that's where courts can step in. That's where they're going to, uh, you know, if, if if there is some sort of physical component to it. It's not just speech. It's not just talk or writing it's actually you know taking fisticuffs to somebody or, or let's go you know, burn down that guy's store let's do it yeah we're gonna we're gonna you know right now you know in 10 minutes let's head down the street and you know you know take that store out one of the things that i was thinking that we didn't mention previously is self-censorship that while a lot of student press high school in particular might not have to deal with like oh, are we going to publish this hate speech? I have sensed, even among my students, this hesitancy. Well, we don't want to be mean to anyone. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to use that quote or publish that letter to the editor or that op-ed even. We don't want to quote that speaker that somebody heard Friday night or that maybe even came to campus. Any thoughts on that sort of self-censorship potential problem? It, it can be a problem if they think it's a topic that really does deserve coverage, that it is newsworthy. It's something that really, you know, belongs in the newspaper or belongs in, in student media. I mean, if editorially that's what they're thinking, um, but they're not doing it for fear of, you know, wading into some sort of hate speech category. Yeah, it can be a problem. I mean, and other times, you know, not giving, you know, a racist speaker a platform um, because, they're just saying a bunch of crap. Um, you know, that's, that's maybe useful editing at time. Mm. When we were talking earlier, you gave the example of when there, some graffiti appears on campus or in town and the student press wants to cover it, but the graffiti entails some real hate speech, um, some ugliness, and that's a sticky situation for the editors to decide and, you know, dealing with administrators. You want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, and it, it, as you, you had mentioned, we, I don't see a lot of hate speech um, in student media, um, but that's the sort of, you know, where it comes up. That's more the context in which I do see it. Um, there have been a, a few cases um, where, you know, like you said, graffiti has shown up and, and, you know, part of the graffiti is the N word or something. And so, you know, they're doing a story on the graffiti. It's a, it's a valid news story. People are talking about it. They send their photographers out to, uh, you know, take pictures and, and, you know, maybe one of the photos is of the N word. Um, and so, you know, the question is, you know, if we, 
it's covering the news. I mean, it's certainly, we're not covering this in order to be hateful, but certainly the person probably that posted it was doing so, you know, do we want to continue to give them a platform? Um, so it's certainly not hate speech for the newspaper to be covering that or to print the photo. I mean, that would be, uh, at least in my mind, that would be protected speech in most places. Um, but I think there are, you know, there could be some reasons for maybe thinking about a different way to cover it rather than just, you know, posting a, a front page uh, photo of the N word or something like that. Um, it, it is, they're, 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 they're difficult sort of choices that have to be made in those, in those situations. But I think it is important to remember that, um, you know, you're, if the reason that you're uh, maybe uh, changing the way that you're going to portray that photo is not because the law is compelling it, it's because this is editorially what we think is the, is the more appropriate thing to do. Um, and that's a really important distinction, um, distinction to be made, I think. This is reminding me of conversations I had with my editors about, like, would you publish this? And while they said that they wanted to give room for more voices and more diverse voices, when I said, what if a racist wanted to write a letter to the editor or uh, even a guest column or something, an op-ed, and they wanted to say X, Y, and Z, and the editor's response was, no. We wouldn't publish that because that's awful. To me, that's pretty tricky territory. Mm-hmm. I, you oh, know. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, 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 I think they want it. The important thing is to, to understand why you're doing it. Um, and I think this discussion that we're having about hate speech is important because maybe it will at least take the law and, and move it aside um that that that, that is these decisions you know the decision not to uh publish a column like that you know i hope that they you know understand that that's not something that the law requires them to to uh to not to publish i mean that is certainly a if it's just the some some you know uh right winger or, or you know spouting off um then you know that's the sort of speech that uh, that that lawfully probably is going to be protected, and the reasons for making you know the decision not to publish it are simply for editorial reasons. And I think that then we get into okay, why are we saying that no, this isn't appropriate? I mean, one of the things that you want to look at is you know what's the saying out there that sunshine's the greatest disinfectant. Sometimes you know showing that speech and, and, and just putting it out there so people can actually judge for themselves what that is. And, you know, yes, it is very awful or, you know, maybe, you know, we need to rethink this or something. I think that's, you know, that's something I think that editors can get into as opposed to, um, you know, simply saying it's, it's illegal and we can't publish it. Um, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no first amendment right not to be offended. We, you know, as, as citizens in this country, um, you know, being offended is something that sometimes we just have to deal with. Let's go back. You brought up, was it UC San Diego, some university, California? We occasionally see material that, that I think people would universally agree it probably has fallen to the hate speech category. Um, we do see that sometimes at the college level. Um, and, and the most recent example involved uh, a satirical newspaper uh, at the University of California, San Diego, um, which has gotten in hot water over the years. I mean, they, they have kind of a reputation for, for shaking things up. Um, and um, this recent example involved a satirical piece they were doing, I guess, uh, UC uh, San Diego had put in place like safe zones or some places where people could go to 
feel safe or something. Um, and uh, they satirized the, 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 the campus safe space and they used uh, a lot of foul language. They used the N word. It was, I mean, it was just, a, it was a, it was a nasty little repugnant sort of satirical piece. Um, I mean, I think everybody, most people that would agree, I think that's the reason they put it out because it was nasty and satirical and that's kind of, uh, you know, what they had the reputation for doing. But uh, yeah, in that particular case, um, they, uh, their funding was, was gone after school officials decided they, they'd gone too far. And so they attacked the school, the, the, the paper's funding. Um, in, that, in that case, the court said that, yeah, this is, this is repugnant stuff. This is hate speech. Um, but again, there is no uh, First Amendment exception to hate speech. It is protected speech. And, and just like any protected speech, you can't, you can't uh, censor it. You can't attack funding as a result of it. Mm. Um, you know, the protections at the college level are pretty strong. But but it's that's it's 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 pretty far out there. Again, we don't yeah. see a lot of this Rare. student media. Yeah. So yeah, when it does come up, um, when when hate speech or hate speech claims have come up in uh, high school me student media in particular, and sometimes in college student media, um, you know, like I said, there are there are hate speech can fall into categories of unprotected speech like fighting words or the the imminent lawlessness uh lawless action um the other one that's particular for just schools though um is that you will sometimes hear school officials claim that um you know if you publish that it's 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 nasty it's repugnant it's hateful um, but it's also going to cause a material and substantial disruption and um uh, you know that is that is a unique category for for public high schools in particular. Uh, courts have said that school officials do have the right to to ban speech that creates a serious physical disruption of school. And so, if you do have a a column that contains what we might consider hate speech, and if it is the sort of speech that a school official could point to and say, "Look, when they published that that you know racist article at a neighboring school, it led to riots in the hallways and fistfights and things like." that um for that reason i'm going to censor it here because of the the uh you know the the risk that it would cause that physical disruption it's kind of i mean in, in some ways i you can think about the the material and substantial disruption test as being a little kind of a lesser form of the imminent lawlessness action bit i mean mm -hmm. it's the sort of speech that creates some sort of physical response typically um, and in the school that response that can be banned is that material and substantial disruption bit okay i think we've covered enough ground to give people some help thank you very much you're welcome that was Mike Keystan, a lawyer with the Student Press Law Center, talking with me about the tricky area of free speech known as hate speech. I hope our conversation has left you with a better understanding of how student journalists can deal with potentially offensive language and the law around that. Most decisions regarding hate speech are editorial choices, not legal concerns, but there are a few cases that edge toward unprotected language. If you have questions or comments about student-free expression, please contact us. Send us an email describing your situation or asking a question, and we will respond in a future episode. You can reach us at sprc at jea.org with the subject line podcast or tweet us at JEA Press Rights. So you don't miss out on future episodes, please subscribe to this podcast through any of the many podcast applications available for your computer or phone. Thanks for listening, and remember, student voices matter.